Hello, friends, and welcome to Looking Up. This is a podcast for Christian women. My name is Carla Moore, and I'm with my friend Kathy Pollard, and we're your hosts for this podcast. And it was born out of a desire. It was Kathy's idea. She thought it would be great to have an encouraging podcast for women where we talk about spiritual things, but also about friendship and about things that are just important to women, uh, especially Christian women. And it has been a lot of fun. We've been doing this for what, eight months now, and Mm -hmm. uh, I've enjoyed it so much. And uh, we just want to encourage all of you to look up and see the goodness in life and see what God is doing in your life and the lives of others. And so that's what our purpose is. So how are you doing today, Kathy? Uh, Aside from this this throat voice, froggy voice problem, I'm doing great. So I feel like I should introduce our frogs. Yes. We need a frog name if anybody mm-hmm. wants to contribute. Yeah, both of us. I feel it. like I should apologize ahead of time. If it annoys you when I have to clear my throat, this is not the episode for you. <laughs> even in our chit chat before we hit record, I kept going, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. We should, so, uh, yikes, yikes. We should excuse. count how many times we say excuse me during this episode. Okay. okay. <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> One. <laughs> so uh, you have big news at your house. Yes, we have. We finally have a cow. She showed up Saturday afternoon and her name is Peaches and we've been settling into the whole routine and um, it's been life changing. Obviously, we Mm -hmm. knew that was we knew that was coming, but overall, very fantastic. We have had a few little interesting moments. In fact, she's already escaped. She (laughs) that didn't take long. No, I think it was the first morning we had her on our own. So Jeremy has been, you know, walking us through this step by step. And Mm -hmm. we've, to this point, we've already had 10 milking sessions and he's been with us for four of those. Mm -hmm. And, but our first one, Neil and me out there by ourselves, our very first one, (laughs) she (laughs) slipped out the gate (laughs) and took off running. Oh no. (laughs) And we both just looked at each other like, (gasps) and of course we're toward the road. Yeah, she didn't get that far, but she did get as far up as where we keep Pepe. And mm-hmm. she did get as far back as where the brush pile is. And yeah. we're trying to lure her with her thing of feed. Come here, peaches. And, and you know, we've we've had her for less than two days. And she was still very skittish around us. And and so anyway, that that was not that was not good. And took about half an hour for us to finally lure her back in and and so we've had, we've had moments like that. And then how did she escape? <clears throat> well, that was kind of my fault. There's a little gate and a big gate in our barn. The little gate is for us to go in and the big gate is for her. Mm-hmm. Well, I was carrying things in and out of the little gate. So I'd have everything prepared ahead of time for the milking session. And I just mm-hmm. left it partially open. It didn't even mm-hmm. dawn on me that she would try and walk through that because <clears throat> she'd have to step up onto this platform and walk out this little door. Mm-hmm. to get up, get out. And that's exactly what she did. She just nudged that gate open. I had my back turned. I hear Neil <laughs> yell my name and I turn around and Peaches is up there on the platform with me. And she just took off out the man door. She saw and, her opportunity. Yeah. And, ra- and ran. And there she is with her very full <laughs> <laughs> running like a puppy across the meadow. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm She's just her baby. I'm just picturing her running down Motley Lane, you know, causing a car accident or already needing to call Jeremy. She escaped. 
<laughs> so she stopped and then you oh yeah we finally we finally yeah we finally got her back and actually neil got her back in and because he kept telling me what to do and i was like fine you do it if you think you know what to do and <laughs> and he did he did do it so of course, of course. <laughs> I, uh, um so now we know keep keep both gates that's one of the first both things john closed. taught me you know he was raised in the country and he said anytime mm-hmm. you open a gate you close it behind you every time so i've yeah. learned that never had a cow escape yes. but i've never had a cow so we're learning her personality and she has lots of it and what she likes and doesn't like and um but she's warming up to us and the sessions are getting a lot smoother and um so it's it's wonderful i, I kind of thought we started out milking by hand. Um, if Jeremy's there with us, it's not bad. If it's just us, <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I think you should film it and share it. And I really do. I really got, think you should film it. It got it. to the point where, see, this is all the stuff you don't read about. Mm-hmm. I have read books, blogs, articles, you name it. I have, I have for like years, I've been reading stuff and you know how we talk about there's different words for knowledge. I was just thinking knowledge and Uh experiential knowledge. This is definitely a case. Experiential knowledge is way, way, way different. (laughs) And Jeremy finally got to the point where he texts us and he was like, I'm kind of worried that she hasn't been milked out all the way since y'all been doing it. So Mm -hmm. can I bring over a milking machine just to make sure, you know, well, he hooked that thing up and the difference is glorious. You mm-hmm. know, it's us out there agonizingly eking out milk 45 minutes in. Peaches is getting restless. And I'm we just still... imagining her rolling her eyes up there. Well, she has her way. First, she starts flicking her tail at us. Yeah. And then one time she just absolutely dropped on all fours and and um, dented my expensive stainless steel, seamless milking pail. <laughs> and so she just gets frustrated. You know, she's yeah. out of feed. She's mm-hmm. tired of waiting on us and she lets us know it. But anyway, so that milking machine does it in like less than three minutes. And milk portable? Her. then I guess it must be if he brought it over. Um, well, it's two different parts. There's like a motor that stays out in the barn and then the the actual claw thing that hooks. I don't know the terms for these things. So mm-hmm. now I sound like an idiot, but the claw thing that attaches um, is attached to a big milking pail. And I can carry that in and out to mm-hmm. clean it and sterilize it and empty out the milk and all that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, Jeremy just said, I know you want to hand milk. <clears throat> you do what you want to do, but I'll leave this here if you want to use it. And really, we want Peaches to be happy. And she was yeah. obviously way more comfortable and yeah. happy with us mm-hmm. using the machine. So that's what we're doing now. Now, you weren't you going to have two calves, too? We were. Is that coming later? No, we decided to sell them. Oh, okay. So we wouldn't have to worry about different stalls and gates and all that kind of stuff. So okay. we just went ahead and sold them. So now we're milking twice a day instead of once. But I'm glad. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. Got a little car sick there for a second. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So what all have you done with the milk? Well, we've had milk and cream in our coffee. I've made yogurt twice. I've made mozzarella cheese. Oh, this morning I have ricotta cheese draining right now. And I'm also pulling out the cream to make butter. So we've been giving milk away to our kids, which that's what I kind of daydreamed about yeah. doing. It tastes amazing. It really does. Mm. I am thrilled. So it's, yeah still like real creamy and rich. I wonder what the milk fat is in that. 
I don't know, but it's jerseys give more cream. So mm -hmm. it's good for you fat though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. maybe I'll good get to taste it sometime. I'm sure you will. We are loaded. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to sell some of it? It's illegal to sell raw milk in Kentucky. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. we have two full refrigerators and they're both completely full. Well, but you'll Already. be able to sell some of the things that you make with it, right? Like butter and mm -hmm. things. You can't do any of that, huh? Nope. Well, no, I kind of initially, that's what I really, I really intended to put my emphasis on butter and making mm -hmm. butter and flavored butters and selling them. And, and currently you can't do that legally. Some people have found ways around it, you know, like, um, they'll put on their for pet use only mm, yeah. <laughs> to sell their milk to mm -hmm. legally get around doing that. But I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, well, I'm excited for you. I know you've been waiting for that for a long time. Yes, I have. And it's been glorious, mostly mm -hmm. glorious. We mostly. are grateful. We are grateful for Jeremy and him being our training wheels and his patience through all of this. So he and I really too far, does he? No, he's five minutes up the road. Okay. And I truly think that if we didn't have him here helping us, we would have been at a loss big time. No, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So what's up with you? Uh, it's been a busy week. We've, we got home from, uh, Tennessee and I had COVID. Oh, I oh. Think, yeah. I think. Oh, you got the PTP flu or bug yes. or whatever. Yeah. PTP yeah. plague. Yeah. Well, I ended up testing and I, I, I thought about it and I wasn't going to, and I thought, well, my doctor has talked about this Paxlovid that she said would be available. And I just thought I'll, I'll see. And so she called it in and it gave me a horrendous taste in my mouth, Oh! but I tested, I tested positive. I mean, tested a negative on Sunday. It was fast and it, it wasn't bad at all. It was like a cold. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's, I, I haven't heard of anybody being seriously sick after PTP. I mean, I've heard a lot of COVID spike going on right now, but I just, I think it's a, it's very not nearly as serious as it was before. So anyway, I feel fine. I just still have the leftover little crud in my throat, but um, mm -hmm. I wonder how many people did go home sick, Yeah, but it brought all those yucky feelings back from 2020, the isolation and, you know, just oh, the, no. the unknown of all the, is this going to be bad? I mean, I've had it once before I had it last December, I think. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it's kind of like a couple of days of flu. But well, anyway, I'm, I'm doing fine now. It's fine. Good. And so we you look good. Thanks. You're welcome. Well, so we um, got home from Tennessee. We had, we stayed home. That was kind of nice, actually, staying home uh, mm -hmm. several days because John stayed with me and we just got work done. And um, Tuesday night, we had ministry moments with Wes and Terry that we interviewed them. I think I mentioned it last, last season when we talked about what we do with the students, we just invite them over. And then we have interviewed a different faculty member uh, each time about what it is that they find to be happy and joyous and worthwhile in ministry. And mm -hmm. so we got Wes and Terry to come and talk about his work with the um, church in Cambodia with the school over there. He's the coordinator for the Cambodia Bear Valley school. You know that, but other people don't. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. And, um, so that was going on. We went, I went thrifting with the, the girls yesterday. I shouldn't call them the girls or women with the uh, Bear Valley women from the school. Oh, it was, you, it was. Oh, group thrifting. Yeah. Did you share your superpowers with them? Well, it was funny because I walk in the door and I'm like, okay, what's in here? What am I going to get? My radar's going off. And they're all like, oh, here's clothes. And 
you know, they, I went and did look and I looked for stuff and they just went and played in the clothes. And I think they Mm -hmm. found some things, but it was, it was good. It was a fun time. I enjoyed being with them. There was six of them. I, well, yesterday here, I'm going to turn this so you can see it, but if you're not watching, you can't. Is that a dress dummy? Oh, that's cool. It looks very French. Well, it's not meant for what I'm going to use it for, but I had bought one years ago and wore it out. But when I sell things on eBay, I can dress it. And it's just, it looks a lot better when it's draped on a dummy Mm. than hung up on a hanger or whatever. So I'm excited. I found that earlier this week. I found a Yamaha guitar. Oh, wow. I'm pretty excited about that. So are you going to start playing? No, (laughs) I don't know what exactly I'm going to do with it. I may hang on to it because, you know, sometimes people come over and they know how to play and it's fun Mm -hmm. to sit around and sing. Y'all do that all all the time with your family, Mm -hmm. but I can probably also get make a pretty good little profit if I put it on marketplace. I don't want to sell it on eBay because then I'd have to ship that big box. So I'll I'll try marketplace. So that's kind of what's been going on here. Very cool. Too exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, gardening wise, um, I jotted down some things that I've made since the last time we talked. I made mm-hmm. en- homemade enchilada sauce for the first time Yum. and canned it. Oh. So now I can just pull that off the shelf anytime I want it. And I also made um, pizza sauce and canned it for because we we have tons of tomatoes. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to figure out what to do yeah. with all these tomatoes. Um, I made hot what, sauce. What, this- what is in enchilada sauce? Um, it's really kind of fun to make. You use dried Mexican chilies, chilies, okay. I guess mm-hmm. you say. And so I used a couple different varieties and we actually ended up having to go to a Mexican store to get them because our grocery, like the, the grocery stores in Colorado would have, have them mm-hmm. in the regular grocery stores, but here right. I couldn't find them in any of our stores. So I had to go to a, a specialty grocery store, but you just kind of cut those out, up and scrape the seeds out and toast mm-hmm. them in a pan with olive oil and other spices like cumin and chili powder and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and onions and garlic toast it for a while and then add your tomatoes and everything and let it simmer for a long time and puree and all that kind of stuff so but Mm. it smelled so good and now that I know how easy I mean truly so easy to make you don't even really need to can it I mean you can just throw that thing together Mm -hmm. in no time and use an immersion blender you know and have Mm -hmm. homemade enchilada sauce instead of buying it which I didn't know how did but, you toast it though? Just in a skillet? Yeah. With olive oil, I put a little olive oil. No, I didn't. I dry toasted it. The peppers, you dry toast those first. Which means a, no a, liquid. Right. You just kind of stir them around so they don't burn. And then you add in, okay, so the, sorry, the peppers and spices you dry toast. Mm-hmm. And then you add in a little olive oil and chopped onions and garlic toast it a little bit more and then you add in all your tomatoes okay tomatoes That's is last yes our, the mexican food in texas that one of the one of our favorite mexican food restaurants is called herbert's taco hut that's where we planned our wedding we just went there every oh, friday that's night fun. Yeah. but that's fun like name. A, yeah her well he was a guy that he was the grandfather of a guy i went to high school with but that that gravy is like a it's almost like I call it gravy, like a brown gravy, but it's tastes like enchilada sauce. Hmm. And so it's a little different. It's not, I don't know what yours looks like. If it's just like a red sauce or is it yeah. a green sauce? Uh, have you ever bought enchilada, red enchilada sauce mm-hmm. in a can? It looks yeah. just like that. Same, same consistency and texture and everything. 
Well, I like that, but this gravy that they put on Mexican, well, I say not all Mexican food at Herbert's mm-hmm. I have tried to replicate and I just don't know how to do it. I I've tried to Ooh. like mix regular enchilada sauce with a, with a gravy type, you know, mm-hmm. just flour and oil or bacon grease can't do it. So I wish I could, but have sounds you, good. Have you tried mixing enchilada sauce with a can of cream and mushroom soup? Mm-mm. Maybe. I mean, not, it's not healthy it or, anything, wouldn't or organic or anything, but <laughs> well, I make a enchilada casserole, you know, mm-hmm. it's flour tortillas mm-hmm. that you spread a little sour cream on and you layer that with whatever you're going to put in it. But I mix my enchilada sauce with a can of cream and mushroom soup and use that between my layers. It's mm-hmm. really good. Sounds good. I'm hungry right okay. now. I started fasting again. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> we shall not <laughs> talk about that. Uh, I also have two different types of hot sauce in process right now because we grew hot cherry peppers this year. So I made one with just jalapenos and one with just hot cherries. So we're going to see. So one's Never green and one's cherry. They're little round hot peppers hmm. and they're called hot cherry peppers. So we're going to see which one we like better. So one's green and one's red. And we're going to see, I think the hot cherry peppers are going to be hotter okay, because they taste hotter, just raw than the jalapeno peppers. But do you feel the garden time coming to a close? Is it drawing near or it is it going to go on for a while? It feels like it just wants to keep going, but I'm mm. ready for it to come to a close. And I, yeah. I told Neil, I mean, some of them, like our, some of our tomato plants are getting a little scraggly, but they're still producing mm-hmm. and our okra is still producing like crazy. And I'm not even doing anything with it. I'm just yeah. kind of ready to pretty much pull everything up, but the watermelon and the butternut squash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. We pulled in our first sugar baby watermelons, our first butternut squash. It's the first time growing either one of those. And I think I already mentioned on here that wasn't even supposed to be butternut squash because what I bought was supposed to be spaghetti squash. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. But I'm enjoying it and I've been roasting it and making baby food out of it. So that's been good. What else did I mention? Oh, I have something kind of cool to share, but I'm gonna let you talk for a while. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to outcool me. Excuse me. We have staff retreat this weekend. I know you oh, know what yeah. I'm talking about. <clears throat> it's really okay. Let's take a moment. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I miss those. Those were so great. Yeah. They were so it's, inspiring. I remember you telling me that before we even came here, mm-hmm. and how encouraging it was. And and I I mean I believed you, but I just didn't know exactly what to expect. And then the first one, it's where all of the extension directors, not all of them, anyone that can comes. So I know that uh, I know that the Ballards are coming and he represents the school in Cameroon. Wes will be there for Cambodia. Someone will be there, I'm, I'm sure, from some of the African schools. Of course, Keith will be there with all of the with the overall report. But mm-hmm. I think there's 60 some odd schools now. So we won't have nearly that many people come in and report. Mm-hmm. But they they just come and give a brief report about how the year went. And then at the very end, Denny gives a um, state of the union kind of address about the Mm -hmm. school in Denver. And it's just, it's fun because you're, again, it's like one of those things you only see certain people once a year, but it just really is encouraging to see the, the good work that's going on around the world. And like Keith says, if you don't, if you think that the church is not growing, you mm-hmm. must be American because it is growing in other areas of the world, maybe mm-hmm. not uh, as much here. But anyway, 
um, I know you used to do this and it got passed to me when you left. So thanks a lot. But now I get the to games. do games. Yes. <laughs> it's so so fun. <clears throat> it is fun, but it, finding something that everybody wants to do and doesn't roll their eyes or doesn't hate or isn't embarrassed about. So yeah. the first few years we did minute to win at games and those were fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last couple of years we've done family feud and that's fun too, but I thought mm-hmm. I'm going to do something different. So this year we're going to do the Saran wrap game. <laughs> and what? I know you and I have talked about this. Is that the one you, we got it? The goodies? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if, if you're watching, here's <clears throat> one of them. I made two. Oh, you can wow. See, you can see the Werther's in there. Fun. <clears throat> it is fun. We do this every year at Christmas with our family. Mm-hmm. And it's all of it. Well, I say all it is. I went to Dollar Tree and bought a bunch of silly things. I got a, some good things like a Sonic gift card and a Starbucks gift card. And there's a bunch of good candy and things in there. But there's mm-hmm. some silly things like um, fingernail clippers and uh, breath <laughs> strips, you know, just silly. But, so the object is to unwrap it. Um, so we stand in a circle. I did two of them because I figured if, if there was 40 people, it would take forever for it to make its way around the circle again. So we'll break into two groups. And so while the first person is trying to get the plastic unwrapped and I have, I mean, I've smashed it down and I got the really good sticky plastic and it's even just getting it started is difficult finding the beginning. So while the first person is trying to get it unwrapped, uh, the second person is throwing dice and, and trying to get doubles. Mm -hmm. So as soon as that person gets doubles, the person that's holding it, trying to unwrap has to pass it to that person. And then the next person immediately starts trying to toss the dice and get doubles. So anything that falls out while you're unwrapping, you get to keep it. But even if you are right there and almost get what's whatever's there and that person rolls doubles, then you have to pass it over. <laughs> and uh, it's hilarious when we do it at Christmas with the kids, because mm-hmm. Jordan and Alyssa in particular are very competitive. And so they are. Jordan's just ripping, you know, you can't tear the plastic. You have to unroll it. I need to remember to tell them that tonight. You can't just rip it open. But um, anyway, we'll see. I'm hoping it won't be too cheesy and will be fun and that people will enjoy participating. So that that has landed on me. And so hopefully we'll Did I tell you, so Cheryl Turner was the first person, excuse me, that I, (laughs) what number is that? Cheryl Turner is the first person that I ever heard talk about that game Mm -hmm. and she showed me a video that she took of her grown kids and their spouses playing the game and I was laughing yeah watching them and of course I said I have got to do this and Mm -hmm. so it ended up being our first Christmas here in Bowling Green and we had the kids over I put so much time into it you Mm -hmm. know finding all these things I've been doing collecting it for weeks you know all these things I had this humongous ball and I had my camera ready to record so I could you know send it to Cheryl afterwards and thank her Dale, I think it was Dale was the first one to get it. And he, when he started it, the whole thing just unrolled. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know that you had you have to, to twist it. And yeah. Cut it. Break it up in pieces. So it starts in different, you know, and yeah, and it was over before it started. Mm-hmm. And so it was the biggest flop. It was the biggest dud. And then, so everything just fell out and nobody else got to play. And I was like, well, that didn't go the way I saw it playing out in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. You told me about that. So when I did it the first time, I 
I twisted, you know, I turn I, like I'd wrap it and then I'd cut it and then I'd turn it a, a different way. And then I'd wrap it again with something. And mm-hmm. so hopefully it will last more than five minutes. I mean, last Christmas I have a video and it was probably 20 minutes or so before they got everything out of it. Yeah. That's and just about perfect. Yeah. yeah do you make them more oven mitts? No, I didn't do that. I don't think that's possible to unwrap plastic wrap. This is the stuff that comes from Costco and it's really very effective, sticky. I mean, it's the good stuff. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'll send pictures. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Okay. So what's your, uh, tell everybody there that we said hi and we love them and still pray for the work and all the good worldwide work that they're doing. I will. Okay. You're not going to believe this. Uh oh. <laughs> so we've been watching Alone, that series you told us about. We mm-hmm. kind of hop around from series to series because some of them we like and some of them we don't. Make and, sure you don't um, spit that cough drop out. I might, but I'm going to try. Can you hear me? Can you hear it when I'm talking? I can see it. I can't oh, okay. hear it. I don't care if you can see it. Um. So anyway, we started watching season six. And the first guy they were showing, Neil, after a while, he said, doesn't he look just like that guy we knew? And he starts talking about this caretaker at Camp Idlewild in Virginia. And I'm going, hmm, I don't know. And a few minutes later, he said, man, it looks just like him. And he said, and wasn't his name Tim? Because you know how they just put the the contestant's first name mm-hmm. on there. They don't. And he goes, wasn't that guy's name Tim too? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. And anyway, the more he watched him, he said, I... That has got to be. And he said, do you remember that guy? And he starts telling me about he was the caretaker for the camp. And he said, remember, his he had to be careful about his back because he had had back surgery. And I had helped this guy's wife in the kitchen at camp one year. And right after now. right after Neil said he remember he had hurt his back and had back surgery. The guy on the show says, I have to be careful because back in whatever year I had back surgery. And so Neil and I are looking at each other and we're going what and he looks it up it's the he goes Bacchus Tim Bacchus, Tim Bacchus. this is the guy we knew it's the wow so we know he was the first contestant that they showed on season six also the first one to go home oh by the that's way why I don't remember him <clears throat> and so anyway we actually know him and I thought oh. how wild is that that you just told us about this show. We started watching it. We picked a random season and we absolutely know the first contestant. That is hilarious. And I kind of hate to share it because he was using bad language on the show. (laughs) So something's happened in a few years since we've seen him, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's cool. Anyway, yeah. It's your claim to fame today. What what are the You know Tim Backus from season six of Alone. That's well, then, cool. so Neil's looking it up and apparently he got some unfavorable comments because people thought they were glad he went home because they thought he was arrogant. Oh. <laughs> so. Well, would you do that? Uh, show? No. Yeah, I would. I, I as soon as I first heard the first, I'd be out of there or I'd be crying because I wouldn't be able to be out of there fast enough. How are you worried about that? Are you, was that somebody that was stomach a growling growling? or a wild animal? Okay. Both. I would be out of there because of the stomach growling. Uh, but uh, okay, so we were we were watching an episode the other night. It kind of made me mad because somebody shot a moose 
you know, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they shoot big game on there. We've seen some pretty yeah. remarkable kills, mm -hmm. but he didn't want to go up and put it out of its misery because he was afraid it would take off running. Mm. And it took over three hours mm. for mm. this moose to die. And he just laid there and you can hear him crying. Mm. I don't remember that. And so I was like, not cool, not cool. And he's yeah. trying to justify himself by saying, you know, if, but if I go over there and try and put him off his misery, I might lose him. He'll take off running and, and, you know, and trying to say I'm really hungry and I need this meat. And it, to me, I thought, nope, nope, because you're just on TV. Mm-hmm. Literally, you're not really starving. Right. You know, I mean, they are hungry, but they don't have to be. Yeah, they can choose. But to leave. he cared more about staying on that show and his chance to win all that money than he did about putting that poor creature that he shot out of its misery. Yeah. You know, and I'm, and I'm not like some kind of animal <laughs> activist or anything mm -hmm. like that. I just thought that was cruel. Yeah. And it was making me feel like, Bleh. I don't remember that. Was that season six? Yep. <clears throat> well, I don't remember what season it is, but one of them, the, um, the guy that kills a musk ox with a I knife, saw that. that's crazy. Yeah. And then he butchered it and carried ate. it piece by piece back to his camp, like a mile away. And what? ate every yeah. single piece of that thing. I mean, yeah. hoofs at the end, hoofs. I don't remember that. I think mm -hmm. I've watched that from my memory. He charred it in the campfire oh. and then scraped it and ate it. To see the guy that won? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. That, that would probably be one of the first things that would knock me off of some show like that is having to eat something that I would be grossed out by. And yeah. They keep showing them eating or drinking undesirable parts of these animals. And I'm like, mm -hmm. nope. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big no. And I always think there's a perfect person to go do that show. It'd have to be somebody that's okay being by themselves. Mm -hmm. First of all, somebody that's pretty brave and, um, knows hunting and knows what you can eat and what you can't eat. Although some of them don't know that, but you also have to be able to talk to the camera. And most people I think that are okay. Being alone are not big talkers. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it, that's just one of those. I, I find that show fascinating. It is. It is definitely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've been well, chit-chatting for 30 whole minutes. You have something else or we need to. Well, I, have, I have one more thing. I just okay. thought of, I wanted to say, I want to give a shout out to my husband because okay. this cow dream has been mine mm -hmm. for years. And he's been like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Not on board at all. And, and really had to be persuaded. But I have to say to his credit, once we made that decision, he's been all in yeah. and been doing, save putting aside the money to make it happen. And, and now that we started the milking process, I didn't know he was going to go out there and do that with me. Mm. And he has been right there with me, learning it with me, going through all the work with me, cleaning up with me. I mean, and acting very pleased and excited about it. Um, this is my dream. And I just yeah. kind of feel like I want to acknowledge that he mm -hmm. didn't just let me do it. He's joining, <clears throat> excuse me, he's joining in with me yeah. in this, which makes it, of course, for me, that much more special and that right. much more meaningful. So mm -hmm. I just have to say in front of everybody <laughs> how much I appreciate yeah. that. And, and I know, guy. I know he listens in, so I wanted to mm -hmm. give that little shout out. Yeah. He's a good guy. Mm -hmm. uh, that is so true. When you enjoy something, you want to enjoy it with the one that you love. And so mm -hmm. he's, he's made that 
made that possible for you. That's sweet. Yes. Good for him. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. How long so, have we been talking? So I'll know. 31.30. Oh, 31 and a half minutes of chit chat. Sorry, people that don't like the chit chat, but we've had a lot of people that tell us they do like it. So yeah. I and I'll try. Say. I will try to remember to say, if you want to skip all that, mm-hmm. <laughs> start here. Yeah. 31. 31 sometimes and I remember minutes. and sometimes I don't just because yeah. we don't want people to think that we think you care what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. We have fun with it though. So yeah, we hope you know, you do, we but... might not be everybody's cup of tea, exactly. but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. They've got their other cups of tea they can imbibe from. Okay. Mm-hmm. What we're going to talk about today. <laughs> no imbibing. This is, this is a Christian you can imbibe. You can imbibe good things, not just bad things. Really? I thought that was an alcoholic word. Maybe it is. I apologize if it is. I don't know. I don't. You're probably right. Well, let's, you're making me miserable. <laughs> I Let's talk about 10 ways. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that, Carla. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. Today, our topic is how to be perfectly miserable. Mm-hmm. And this comes from an article that my dad wrote. I don't know how many years ago. It's been at least 20, maybe even 30 years ago. And my dad, his name is Carl Garner. He was a great writer. That was one of his strengths to me and uh, just very practical things. And so are you. So, well, I think that he rubbed off on me as far as just trying to be practical, but he always had the best titles too. I can think of several. There's one that he called red dye number two, and it was about alcohol and how dangerous it was, but how people don't, um, they, they drink it anyway, but then there's this red dye number two that goes into red M&Ms and other things like that, that there was this big uproar about mm-hmm. banning this substance and that, you know, it never killed anyone on a highway or anyway, um, dad was a good writer. And this article that he wrote, it was called how to be perfectly miserable. And the way he started it off, he said, there are some decisions in life that we make below the conscious level. And he said that they're gradual and they're not intentional. And, and, and so he's talking about how we can not really know that we're deciding to be this way, but we're deciding to be miserable or Mm -hmm. deciding to be happy. And so if we're not intentional about it, then we're just going to fall in to doing something that really is not a good thing. And, you know, I think I can think of several people on the opposite end. And you probably can too, just off the top of your head that are cheerful. They have problems. They have issues going Mm -hmm. on, but they're cheerful and they're happy and they're content and they want to know about you. They have Mm -hmm. a sweet disposition. I think, you know, you're talking about Neil. He's one of those. And John is one Mm -hmm. of those. He's just Mm -hmm. positive and, and happy and cheerful. And, and there's been lots of times since, since he was in the hospital and I was thinking about things that he went through there and he just did it. And, you know, it was things that were not pleasant and, and he just, it wasn't a big deal to him because things that I would have hated doing, but, um, I thought about his dad, Grady was like that. He was just one of those people that, you know, he just never met a stranger and he always had a joke to make and he would always try to make you smile and laugh. And, and he was that way. I think about Hannah Lee, you know, she's got a a pretty serious illness disease Mm -hmm. and yet she's always cheerful and positive and encouraging. There was a woman named Ruth Locke. I may have even mentioned her before, but she was one of the sweetest older women that I have ever known. She gave John a hundred dollars to buy a pair of shoes one time because she sat across the aisle from us. Did I tell you about this? She sat across the aisle from us. And when John would cross his legs, 
she could see the bottom of his shoes. And this was way, way early in our marriage. We had, I think Jordan was maybe four and Jake was two and she saw holes in the bottom of his shoes and she sent, gave him a check and said, because the feet, the feet of a preacher are beautiful, but we don't really want to see yours. (laughs) But stuff like that towards the end of her life, when she was really gravely ill, I remember we would ask her how she was and she would laugh and she'd say, you know, I'm just not going to get out of this world alive. Stuff (laughs) like that. I think of people like that and, and the ways I thought of adjectives that I would describe people that, you know, they, they're selfless. They enjoy laughing. They deflect attention away from themselves. They smile. They speak with positivity. They are encouraging. They want to know about you. Those are the people that I want to be like, and they are not miserable, but then we won't mention names. Because that would not be nice. We do know people that they may have problems, but, you know, they may or may not. And maybe their problems are not so serious because everyone has them. But nothing is just ever quite right. And they want to talk about their troubles all the time. They're grumpy, you know, just kind of the sour disposition, criticizing. They're worrying about things. And I was trying to think of some adjectives that would maybe describe them. And I thought of touchy. There was all mm. these ending and Y words. They're touchy. They're frowny. I know that's not a word, but you know, the frowny, they're moody. They complain. It's somebody that you kind of have to approach tentatively. You know, you're mm. like, you kind of look to see what kind of look they have on their face before you want to go visit with them. You have to handle them carefully. They have, they use a lot of personal pronouns, you know, I, me, mine, and they talk about themselves. They don't have a lot to say that's nice about others. They're not much of a listener or a comforter. And they don't really want comfort. I don't think they don't want advice. You know, they just want to be miserable. It seems like, and, um, dad, one of the things that he said in the article was as a service to those who have made the latter decision, the decision to be miserable, we offer the following guidelines for being miserable and enjoying it. (laughs) My dad had a very dry sense of humor and he employed sarcasm sometimes, but, um, Anyway, this is what we're going to talk about today. And it's kind of a little bit of tongue in cheek and a little bit of humor to kind of maybe make it a little bit lighter than it, you know, because we don't want to browbeat anybody, but we want to think about not being this way because Christians have so much to be thankful for and so much to be joyous about. And why would we want to walk around as I've heard, heard it said, uh, looking like we were weaned on a sour pickle, (laughs) So we've each got five different things and we'll try not to uh, drag this out too long, but we're, uh, we're going to talk about some different ways that you can be measurable. So mm-hmm. I'm going to toss it to you and let you go first and tell us what your first one is. Yeah. And I, and I also want to say, these are your dad's things. And mm-hmm. I love the fact when you first told me about this, I got so excited. I think this is a great topic mm-hmm. and I've been looking forward to it. And I loved the article that he wrote. So these 10 things on how to be perfectly miserable are all his, and Mm -hmm. we're just each going to discuss them uh, a little bit together. But, and I love the fact that I mentioned this ahead of time before we hit record that your dad is still teaching through this, you know, that's, that's the beauty of the written word is the Mm -hmm. influence and the impact continues on even after that individual has gone to be with the Lord. And that's exactly what's happening here. So Mm -hmm. much appreciation to your father for this, but Okay. How to be perfectly miserable. Number one, think and talk about yourself as much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) And the good thing is it's not hard to do. 
(laughs) It's really natural. It comes natural to most of us to think about ourselves and be self-absorbed and want to talk about what's going on in our lives all the time and Mm -hmm. not at all be interested in what the other person might have to say or even giving them a chance to talk about themselves or even Mm -hmm. intentionally thinking about what might be going on in their life. So think and talk about yourself as much as possible. Um, Your dad said in the article, in every conversation, use I, me, and my as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So it reminded me, there's a quote that I share every so often that says, I is the smallest letter in the alphabet. Don't make it your largest word in your vocabulary. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe it could be a little test, you know, when you're talking with somebody, think about how often you do use those personal pronouns. Not that you would want to start speaking awkwardly by trying to avoid those personal pronouns, but just to make you more aware of how much of this has actually been about me. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we do that unintentionally anyway. I mean, have you ever walked away from a conversation that you really yeah. enjoyed, but as you're walking away, you thought, oh, we actually talked about me the whole time, or they yeah. were asking all these questions about me and I never really got around to asking about them. And yeah. You know, maybe it makes you feel a little bad when it happens that way. But sometimes, you know, we can get so caught up in our own personal lives that even when significant, important things are going on in the lives of people around us, we're still focused on ourselves and still talking about that. So mm-hmm. um, Philippians 2.4 reminds us to take an interest in others, not just in ourselves. And 1 Corinthians 13.5 reminds us that love is not self-seeking. And so in a lot of these, it kind of correlates to 1 Corinthians 13 and seems to be the exact opposite. So right out of the gate, you know, we're going to see when God lays out, here's, here's how you need to have your relationships and here's how you need to live. Once again, it's because he knows what's best for us. But mm-hmm. if you want to be miserable, go ahead and do it your way and go ahead and, and talk about yourself and think about yourself and be self-absorbed. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that that's kind of, it doesn't seem like something that would make us miserable because when we Mm -hmm. talk about ourselves, you know, when you, when you're given, giving advice about how to make conversation with someone, the first thing you do is ask them about themselves. Cause Mm -hmm. every, cause I've heard it said, everyone likes to talk about themselves Mm -hmm. and that sounds really selfish, but I mean, I know more about myself than I do anything else, but, um, but why does that make, why would it make us miserable? But it's because it makes us self-centered and we're not thinking about others. And God tells us when we, um, when we do for others and serve others and listen to others, then that's, what's going to bring joy, but it feels good in the moment to talk about ourselves. You know, we like Mm it, but you know, in the long run, and I was thinking too, I have a friend and I love her and whoever's listening to this, it's not you, but she'll ask a question um, about, my family, whatever. She's trying to show interest. And almost before I have the words out of my mouth, she'll say, oh, my mom does that too. Or, oh, I have this too. And then she'll go on and talk for the next 10 minutes about whatever it is she asked me about. And I'm almost like, uh, 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 you know, I can't get mm-hmm. the words out. And I have to laugh because I know I, what it is on her part is that she's just trying to relate. You know, she's just trying mm-hmm. to to make conversation. And I understand that about her. She's not a miserable person, but it makes me conscious of, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I respond when someone's talking? I think I do this to you. Sometimes I I 
I'm so like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then I try to explain it and you're still in the middle of your sentence. What is that saying? Oh, did the beginning of my sentence interrupt the middle of yours? (laughs) But yeah, talking about ourselves. Well, and what you just said about it might feel good in the moment, but in the end, it's not going to bring you joy. It's not fulfilling. Really that same thing. Just keep that in mind for all these things that we're going to mention, because that same thing is true. And in the moment, what we're, what we'll share probably will feel good and gratifying Mm -hmm. in a way. And, but ultimately will lead to misery. Yeah. So how do Mm -hmm. we stop doing that? What talking about ourselves? Mm -hmm. If somebody says, how are you doing? It doesn't matter how I'm doing. How are you doing today? (laughs) No. How are you doing? (laughs) No. How are you? (laughs) Thank you. No, thank you. No, oh, but for real, like how you look you... good. No, you look good. <laughs> you look better. You look the best. Oh, can't beat that one. Uh-huh. Anyway, so no. I just think, you know, how do you, how do you not do that? How do you, um, I think you approach a conversation knowing, you know, maybe having some, some things prepared that you're going to ask them about. Remember Christy Huntsman saying mm-hmm. that she kept a little note on the top of her Bible and that she would jot some things down ahead of time about this person that she already knew about them and what she was going to ask, you know, to engage them in conversation. So yeah, being aware I, of it. Is- yeah. Intention for sure. But I also think it's, it's, it goes back to that heart posture, you know, have you been feeding that self-centeredness and have you been allowing yourself to become self-absorbed in all of life? You know, because when you talk to somebody, that's, what's going to come out. But if you, mm-hmm if you have a heart posture that is focused on others and, and their lives and their needs and what would bring them joy, then mm-hmm. that'll naturally come out when you're with other people. And you can see that just in the people that you meet, Yeah, you know, their overall tendency, when you have a conversation with somebody at church or whatever, their overall tendency will typically be one way or the other. And mm-hmm. so I think it's, it's um, something we can pray about if we struggle with that and then think about, well, overall, how do I live my life in view of others? And they're in your own home. What does that look like in your marriage and in your own home? Mm -hmm. You know, do you live a life where the focus is on somebody else or on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Selfishness. Um, Mm -hmm. All of these, I think all of these, we're, we're kind of laughing about them and they are just kind of silly the way it's worded, but in all seriousness, we want to um, remind everyone just, this is something to, to do some self-introspection. Mm-hmm. some self-reflection and to ask ourselves and take a, a long, hard look and see, is this something that, that I may be guilty of? I think we probably all mm-hmm. have some of all of them in us, but yes. having them pointed out in this way is, is, has been helpful to me just to, to look at them. So yeah, that's a there, there were a few, I mean, most of them, I, I kind of laugh a little bit, but also on the inside, I'm going, Ooh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ouch, my toes. Yeah, ow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have number two. Okay. My first one is think the worst about everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think of some different examples. And one of them that came to mind pretty quickly was they intentionally didn't invite me. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that like, maybe I have a problem with. If I'm left out of something and I'm, I'm going to think, well, they they just didn't want to be with me. They didn't want to invite me. Um, but there's other things. Think the worst about everyone. Believe every rumor that you hear. 
and assume, mm-hmm. oh, say, oh, well, I, I knew all along that that was true. Or expect the worst treatment from others and you'll get it. Reach the worst conclusion from your judgments and then tell everyone your conclusions and, you know, make sure that you exaggerate everything that gets all over me sometimes when I, Mm -hmm. when I hear someone repeating something to someone else that I heard Mm -hmm. and I know it didn't sound like that, but yet they're twisting it and exaggerating it and making it sound worse than it really was. Changing the voice inflection a little bit. Yeah. And then they make themselves, you know, but I only said, well, would you mind not doing that to me? And I'm like, "Mm, that's not at all how that happened. But I know, I know that I've done that before. We all, I think, naturally try to make ourselves look better than we are. And, um, but this is just something to think about. Do, do I think the worst about everyone or do I try to think the best of them? And I, it seems like, I don't know what you think about this, but it seems like people who are like this tend to con- congregate together and mm-hmm. they, cause they want to be miserable to, together, I guess. Misery loves company. But um, looking at Mark chapter two, verses 14 through 28. This is where Jesus goes home for a meal with Matthew and there's other tax collectors and sinners there. Uh, And it's the Bible says that they were following him. So, you know, the Bible's talking about these people that were tax collectors and sinners were following Jesus, but yet, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes, the scribes of the Pharisees is what it said. And I had never noticed that before. Sorry, I have something in my eye. Um, but they they were asking Jesus these questions. Why are they eating with bad people? And why aren't you fasting in another another situation? And then when they were going through the fields, getting grain, why are they not obeying our religious laws? You know, all of these why questions. And they were looking for things to criticize and expecting mm-hmm. expecting the worst from other people. And I think that just becomes a mindset and a habit and something that we have to really get control of our thoughts. And um, how do we do that? How do we, how do we get control of our thoughts and thinking about second Corinthians 10 and how we're in a spiritual battle and the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons, but they're spiritual weapons. And so we can get control of our, our, our thoughts and our minds. Sorry, excuse me. So instead of thinking the worst, do our best to think the best of someone. And I, there was a funny story and you know, this woman, and she told it on herself. I won't say her name because she would be embarrassed, but she went, I even hesitated to tell this, but I think it fits here. She went to buy one of those teeny tiny little bottles of whatever it is that you put in Tres Leches cake or if you put the alcohol in there, like, is it rum or something like that? And she was determined she was not going to buy a big, big bottle. She just wanted the little tiny, tiny bottle. And so she went looking for one and she ended up having to go to four, I think, different liquor stores. <laughs> Me personally, I just wouldn't do it because of this whole topic, because I, I'm not going to buy it. I'll use something else, an extract or whatever. Um, but she, she thought, what if someone sees me and thinks that I'm, I'm an alcoholic and, you know, it was just this little old lady and she explained to the man at the counter, I just need a little tiny bottle. I don't drink. I'm just putting this in a cake and the alcohol is going to burn off. And, um, 
anyway, it was hilarious to think of her doing that. But what if someone saw her going in there? What would they think? You know, would they think, oh, there she, I can't believe she's going in there. And again, I'm not encouraging anyone to go in a liquor store. Please don't take that from this. But I hope that, and I know if I saw her opening that door going in there, I would have thought, what in the world? She must have some kind of a, uh, an, an illness or she's trying to clean a cutout or, you know, who knows mm-hmm. what, but I would not think that she's going in there to get drunk. So things like that. And there was another situation I thought of that Micah one time got called out um, in, in a youth event and he had leaned over to ask someone for a piece of paper so he could take notes. And the speaker called him out and by name in front of everybody and said, Micah, do you have something important you need to share with the rest of the group or something like that? And I remember, of course it hurt more because it was my child, but seeing the look on his face of hurt, like I, I was, I I'm trying to take notes and I needed a piece of paper and I could tell that this speaker felt bad about it, but you know, kind of the damage was already done. He just thought Mm -hmm. the worst immediately. So Anyway, that's thinking the worst of people is, it's just a bad habit and we really don't have to do it that way. And I was thinking when I saw (laughs) that one on the list, that that's a big one and Mm -hmm. definitely going through life that way, not giving people the benefit of the doubt, but assuming the worst about them truly is a way to be miserable. I mean, Think about, you can tell when somebody has that kind of approach to life based on how they talk about church leaders yeah, um, or any class that they've been in, you know, and any decision that's been made obviously was poorly made without a lot of thought by people who don't know the whole situation or don't, you know, and you can just tell that, that instead of assuming that a lot of thought and prayer has gone into this and that they know some things that maybe you don't know and that they have the wisdom and experience to know to do it, you know, instead of just naturally assuming all of that, Mm -hmm. um, it seems like sometimes some people can enter into every scenario, assuming the worst about all the players involved. Mm -hmm. And you have to wonder, is there anybody that you just look up to? (laughs) Yeah anybody in life that you respect and mm-hmm. and think maybe they're doing a pretty okay job <laughs> yeah yeah you're right it is it is a miserable miserable way to live mm-hmm. and I feel sorry for them but you don't have to do that you don't have to 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 live that way I think you can bounce your thoughts you know start being intentional about it and and say to yourself well maybe they were doing this or I I know them well enough to know that that's not what was going on. You know, what I thought I saw or, um, you know, just training our minds. It really is a matter of training our minds and making a new habit and fighting, fighting Mm -hmm. that tendency that we have to think the worst of people. Well, and here's the thought, could just mind your own business. (laughs) I mean, you don't really have to put your stamp of approval on everything that everybody does in their life. You know, it's just, sometimes it's just none of our business and we don't have to have a, an opinion one way or another. We can just really, really, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's like a load off my mind. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Moving you along. You want to be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> the next one is measure your happiness by the amount of money or possessions you own. And I was trying to think about, you said he wrote this about 20 years ago. 
at least. Yeah. So before the advent of social media and mm-hmm. influencers, and you know how much easier it is now to compare and play the comparison game and see things presented in such a, a beautiful or novel way that you think that that if I want this kind of life, I have to have this, this, and it needs to look like that. And I want to model it or pattern after this, or, you know, how much easier is it now? Whatever our interest is, whether it's home design or even, you know, homesteading or farming Mm -hmm. or owning a cat, anything really that we have an interest in, you can find somebody out there that's holding that up as their platform or, or whatever. And then they're telling you everything that you need to go along with it. And I was just thinking, it's always been an issue because it's talked about in the Bible, contentment. Mm -hmm. And if with the very basic things, shelter and clothing and, you know, learning to not always feel this covetous or not feed this covetous nature to feel like you still need more to be happy. You still need more to be satisfied. And if only I could do this or have this, then I would have finally arrived and be happy. But Mm -hmm. Um, it just seems like even now, surely it's got to be a little bit easier to be miserable. Always, you know, you think, oh, now I've got this, this, and this, well, then you'll see something else yeah, or something better. Or, you know, now there's this new thing or this latest version, or (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's always right there in our space. If we let it, if we let it be. Um, And again, I was thinking this is just another one of those where it takes real intention to practice contentment. You're not just going to be naturally content. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. I think you have to be. And if that's something that you do struggle with, you know, prayerfully consider being more intentional about it. And certainly if you're pursuing um, wanting more and needing more that materialistic I haven't arrived yet, but I want to kind of approach to life. You just will be miserable no matter how shiny it is or how good that account looks. You know, Mm -hmm. I heard somebody say the other day when somebody has something flashy and beautiful and you're like, wow, you don't know what they had to do to get it. And you don't know what they're having to do to keep it. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. You know, um, Luke 12, 15 says, take care and be on your guard against covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Mm. I see this in myself, um, not money. I know I've, I've said before that money just makes, it makes me feel icky. It causes so many problems, but there are things, you know, the, the newest thing, and it usually is something in the kitchen, you know, uh, um, <clears throat> I don't know, a a different kind of pot. I'm just trying to think of something Mm -hmm. off the top of my head that, oh, that does something different than what I already have does. And I would, I kind of like that or a purse. I have a thing for purses. I laugh with a friend and we call it OCPD, obsessive compulsive purse disorder and uh, not making light of anybody that really does have OCD. But um, it's just, I think, that's a weakness that I have and I have to fight it and remind myself that even if I get that next new thing, it's not going to be another three months before something else comes out that I, mm-hmm. I want to replace it with, and I'm not satisfied with it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, um, it's just one of those weaknesses that I recognize in myself and, and try to do better, but yeah. Well, same here. One. We're, you know, we're getting all into the cow and the, 
little baby steps toward homesteading that we're doing. But even then, there's so much information out there and so many cool things Mm -hmm. that you think you have to have when true homesteaders (laughs) may do with what they had. (laughs) It probably didn't look beautiful. And true farmers, true homesteaders, true independent, self-sufficient settlers or whatever you want to call them, they just use stuff that they had around and Mm -hmm. made it serve its purpose. And they didn't have Amazon to say, oh, well, we should probably get this and this and order. And this week we'll go here. And and now let's make another run to tractor supply. I'm pretty sure they know our names in there now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. And in your mind, you're going, this isn't materialistic or flashy, but it is another way to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's just another thing that, that you don't necessarily have to do. Yeah. And I rationalize. I'm like, oh, well, I'll sell this yeah. one. And I'll, so basically I was just kind of renting it for this amount of time. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's one that steps on my toes. So thanks. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thanks dad. Thank, thank you, dad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My next one is demand agreement with your opinions and. Ooh. Oh, that <laughs> one makes my jaw feel cringy. <laughs> We even talked, I think in the last episode about, we need to at some point talk about how do you have an opinion about something, even a strong opinion, and yet don't bind that on someone else. Cause that's tough. Cause when you have something that you really believe is, is right for you or your family, mm-hmm. um, how do you not look at some other family and think, why are they not doing what we're doing? Because we made the best choice. You know, that's a, that's a tough one, but as far as this one goes, you know, you, you've got to make sure everyone knows what you think about things. Make sure everyone knows your, it's not an opinion. It's just the right word. Right. And then we expect them to fall in line with the things that we think. And then we have to be indignant when someone else has a different opinion. We have to let others know that they're wrong in their opinions. And then the best thing to do about this is to write about it on Facebook in a very passive aggressive way. So, you know, just make sure that you, kind of say something that lets people know what you're talking about, but make them question who it is. And, you know, what exactly do you mean by that? I've and never then, seen anybody do that. You've never seen that? <laughs> I haven't seen it today, but I'm sure I've seen it in the days preceding today. Um, and then be unfriendly to that, to whoever it is that disagrees with you from now on. But for real, you know, how do we hmm. make that determination that, what we believe about something is not just our opinion as opposed to gospel truth. Mm -hmm. And man, we have a hard time with this one. Mm -hmm. And the, the scripture that dad brought up was uh, the one about diatrophies in third John verses nine through 11. And it talks about how he wanted to have the preeminence. He wanted to be first. And that whole context is talking about um, the church there and Paul was encouraging them to be hospitable. And what that meant was to have them in their homes And this man, Diotrephes, was saying, no, don't do that. And if you do that, then you are not part of my fellowship. And, you know, we we can argue about the whole, what if it's a false teacher? And there, that's in the context of the chapter or the book above that, I believe. And he, Paul says, you don't, you don't allow false teaching into your home or the house church or whatever it was in second John. But, um, but we just have a really hard time deciding what's truth and what's opinion. But even if it's just political things or 
personal opinions about uh, what what we eat. You know, what's the best way to eat? Vegan, vegetarian, keto, um, low carb, just whatever. You know, we we disagree about things and and we don't like it when someone disagrees with us and then we hope we take it personally. So that's a way to be miserable is to demand that everyone agrees with me. Well, that's and- why we're such good friends because you agree with everything that I say. Oh, I agree. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's one of those things where at some point you kind of have to go, why would I assume that people even want to know my, what my opinion is yeah. on any given matter? You know, and it's pretty presumptuous to think people do want your opinion unless they've mm-hmm. asked for it. And, I've, you know, I've seen, you probably heard this too, but you should talk less and listen more. Because not only will you have more friends, but you might actually learn something. <laughs> mm, that's great. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a tough yeah. one. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, I think I have less problem with that because I also think, why why would anybody really want to know what I think about something? But it's just easy to do it, especially with social media. It's easy to throw mm-hmm. out what you think about <laughs> something. And, and then when someone posts a comment that does doesn't exactly agree with you we're like how in the world can they not see what I'm trying to say and then we have to write back and and you know try to explain further and then get mad again when they don't exactly agree with it so defend yourself or give your rationale and yeah so I just need to chill and stop thinking that everyone has to think just like me Mm -hmm. and that was kind of a realization that I had not too terribly long ago is that not everyone thinks like me. The sooner we learn that, the better. Yeah. And in some of these, a little bit of common sense comes into play because sometimes there is an occasion for you to share your opinion and it's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, or there is an occasion to question something or, you know, but it's just not developing that overall demeanor. And, you know, for, for example, with having this cow, I've already heard comments about raw milk. Mm-hmm. You know, people have yeah. opinions about that. And so do I. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's not, I've done a lot of research on it and I'm just not going to stand up on my little soapbox or platform and say, but here's why we're doing it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's just not worth it to me. I'm not going to spend a time on that. And, but if it was something that had to do with eternity or defending Christ, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I understand people can take that. <laughs> yeah to an extreme also but then it does matter right you know but you're talking or your dad is talking about Mm -hmm. just developing that kind of personality that always has to get their own opinions heard Mm -hmm. and trying to convince everybody to agree with you that sounds miserable yeah well and to Mm -hmm. me it kind of ties in a little bit about thinking the worst about people um Mm -hmm. when if they don't agree with you then we think well they're just dumb Mm-hmm. or they're liberal or they're whatever, you know? So it's just a, like you said, common sense to uh, listen to people and allow people to say what they need to say. And if you have a relationship with someone, it makes it a little bit easier to, to say, well, you know, this is what I think. And for what it's worth, this is what I, th- I think we can preface things by saying, it's just my opinion, but this is how we do things. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we can, we can say it in a way that doesn't come across as just being, um, uh, I'm going to cram this down your throat. So right. yeah, common sense. Mm-hmm. Good point. 
All right. What's your next one? Uh, be suspicious and jealous of everyone. If you want to be absolutely miserable, um, judge their motives for service and all the good works that they're sharing with others. Be envious of them when they experience success uh, or they are ha having happiness in their own lives. Um, don't ever trust anyone because <laughs> if they've made a mistake or messed up before, they'll probably do it again. Um, be jealous of relationships that others enjoy that you feel like you don't have in your own life. And, mm -hmm. and why don't you, um, mm -hmm. you know, so I thought that was really good one too, because surely that hits all of us at some point. And yeah. it's not when we see it in somebody else, it is so not attractive and nobody wants to be like that person or even be around that person. Mm -hmm. But at least for myself, I can see myself falling into that. And I, and I have seen myself fall into that in in various times and in situations um, being suspicious, you know, and I don't like it at all when I see it in somebody else mm -hmm. and I might not verbalize it, you know, but I'll think I might think it. Yeah. Fight it. And have to fight yeah, it. yeah. And, um, the jealousy, you know, I might not verbalize it, but I might feel it in my heart and even in, in the moment, recognize it for the pettiness that it is, but it's, but it's there. And I can feel yeah. it wanting to kind of, you know, be nurtured and take root and, and it wouldn't take much for me to want to grumble about it or talk about it or whatever. So I was thinking about this kind of sad, miserable existence of always judging others and being suspicious of others, you know, and, and unfortunately that even crosses the line into Christianity mm -hmm. and people judging other Christians and, uh, and assuming things about them that just aren't true, you know, and wanting to write them up or whatever, but we won't go down that road, <laughs> but where does that come from? Where does that come from? And, mm -hmm. and that's the heart check again, you know, is it personal insecurity? I think a lot of times it is. Yeah or a previous hurt that we haven't handled in the right way. I'm not discounting the fact that a hurt has happened, but obviously it was not handled in the right way mm -hmm. on, on our part. Um, because first Corinthians 13, seven says that love always trusts and love always hopes. And Romans 12, 15, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're to treat others the way we want to be treated. This would include trusting that their motives are pure. We want yeah. people to give us that same respect and we should do the same for them. And that one was Matthew 7, verse 12. Being suspicious and jealous, um, especially the jealous part. You know, it's hard not to when you really want to be around someone or you like someone or you, you want to be couples, friends with someone else, it's hard not to, it's hard not to be envious of that because it's something good. And you wonder why don't we have that? And so maybe, maybe we can take this and think, what is it that, that I don't have, and maybe it's not something that we don't have. Cause sometimes you just don't click with people, you know, and, and you just can't force a friendship. You can be friends with everyone, but as far as um, having that close friendship, sometimes you just can't force that. But um, that is something that is difficult to fight. And I guess of all of them, this one sort of makes me feel sorry for the person that feels 
jealous of everyone because like you said, I think a lot of it has to deal, has to do with insecurity. And, but it's, it's just, an, if it comes out in the way where you, um, where it just looks like you're pouting or you're just have a sour face or whatever, mm -hmm. rather than thinking to yourself, maybe there's something that I need to do differently, or maybe, maybe I just have another friend, you know, maybe I just need to go, uh, focus my attention elsewhere and, and make a different friend, but that's a tough one. Well, and with jealousy, the only way out of it is to let go of it. You can't ever, especially when it comes to seeing other friendships that you want to be a part of and you feel like you're not, you're missing out, you've been left out. You know, if you, when you play it out in your mind, if you do say something to that person or that group, how is that going to turn out? Yeah. You know, because then you'll just forever wonder when they do include you or invite you the next time. It's only because I said something to them and, you know, and, and it doesn't really make them want to mm -hmm. include you if, if you're that kind of person, you know, yeah. so it's really, it's kind of this ironic situation of mm -hmm. if you follow through with that. So the only reason to, to work it out is to let it go. Yeah. And maybe if we spend more time nurturing relationships and the relationships with the people in our lives, instead of being jealous of the ones that we see, mm -hmm. <laughs> we wouldn't be so miserable and feel so left out. And yeah, I know there's that, nothing attractive about it. No. And, and some of it I fully recognize is brought about by my own awkwardness, you know, and how far do I want to go with this one? Um, because sometimes, you know, when you see somebody and you just instantly like them, mm -hmm. you know, we love everybody, but sometimes yeah. you just meet somebody and you're like, I want to be how I yeah. felt about with you. I want to be your friend. You know, I want you for a friend. And you might have a few good conversations with them. And then in my mind, I'm going, when I walk into the room, should I go sit by them? What if they don't really want me to? What if mm -hmm. they were just being really nice and they don't feel the same way about me that, you know, that's awkward. That's insecure and though. That's insecurity and that's awkwardness. And that's, you know, but I could let that go to the point where it lodges in my heart is a problem. Yeah. And, and if I'm not willing to, especially if I'm not willing to overcome or assume the best about them, you know, then it becomes a problem and I'm self-absorbed and I'm jealous and no. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, I know what you're, I understand. And I'm chasing me, a rabbit in my head. If I'm looking at you with this dull blank expressions, cause I'm chasing a rabbit. Okay. Like, so how do you, how do you indicate to someone that you, you want to be their friend without making it You sound... write them a little note with a yes and no box that says, do you Check like yes me? Or no. Can we be friends? Check yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try that next time. Well, no, but like, uh, like you and I, um, because I remember you saying, I want to be your friend and thinking, I can't remember where we were. You thought you're weird. No, I did not. <laughs> I remember kind of thinking, why would she want to be my friend? Honestly, because, you know, to me, you had all these other friends. And um, so I guess open up, right? Mm-hmm open up and say it. It kind of, um, is a little scary because there's that fear of rejection or, um, but how do you open up and, and say, yeah, I, I want to be friends with you. Can we get together? And what if on the other hand, they don't really want to be friends, Yeah. but like you said, you just let go. And, and, um, you can, I think most people common sense can tell when mm -hmm. 
when they just don't have the time for another relationship Mm -hmm. or whatever. Anyway, that's, that's kind of chasing a rabbit that we probably shouldn't, as we tend to go along anyway, we probably shouldn't go down the road. Yes. So that was your second? That was, yes, that was my third one. Okay. All right. So my third one is never forget a good deed you have done. (laughs) I thought that was so good. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, it's hard because we want recognition for the good that we do. And, uh, but what dad said is don't be satisfied. Well, I wrote that. Don't be satisfied that God knows because that, I think this is something we grow to over time that we, we want recognition. We want pats on the back and I don't like, uh, attention. So it's easy for me to kind of don't say anything about it, but, but yet you want those private ones, even if you're like Mm -hmm. me and don't like attention, you want people to know, maybe you don't want someone to announce it, but you do want people to know that you've done this or -hmm. you have accomplished that or whatever. But especially if it's something you've done for someone else, you, you just, you want that, you know, pat on the Mm -hmm. back for the good deed that you've done. And so if someone were to forget it, then that's insulting. But dad said, sulk and pout when other thing when others don't go on and on about your goodness. <laughs> Which I can just hear him saying that to sulk and pout when others don't go on and on about the good thing that you've done. The things, some of the things that I guess I find that I have uh, problems with is if I wrote something about some, some, you know, I wrote an article about this. I expect everyone to remember that I wrote something. And so if another person makes the same point. I'm like, but, but I said that I said that five years ago in my little article that two people saw. So you should remember that I said it first, right? You were the or, originator. You know, yeah. That, that's my point. You know, I said that. So, you know, do I have this need to be praised and I have my ego stroked and, you know, it's just a, I know it's a natural tendency. I think that Mm -hmm. humans have to, to be recognized, but Matthew six verses one through four Mm -hmm. is beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your father who's in heaven. And then he goes on to say, when you, uh, when you give to the poor, you don't blow your trumpet before you. And I've, you know, I've never known anyone to literally blow a trumpet before them, but I know people want you to know when they've given Mm -hmm. to something or someone, whether it's, you know, having, having your name printed on a brick that you're, you're giving money for or whatever. And I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not objecting to that because I understand that that's a fundraiser. Sometimes, you know, you buy a brick and we'll put your name in this, whatever, but, um, he goes on in this passage, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that your giving will be in secret. And then God will reward you. Well, he sees what's done in secret and he's going to be the one to reward us. So to me, it, it this is one of the easier ones, you know, just to, to learn to be satisfied and to be patient and God, it's fun sometimes to see how he'll come back around and mm-hmm. reward you or someone else will say, Oh, I remember when you said this, or, um, there's just lots of, of different ways that God can, can reward us, even if we're not looking for a reward. Um, but he will let, let someone else praise us. 
And that it is, it is gratifying when we know that we've done something that's good, but we're not the ones that are proclaiming it that, Oh, look what I did. That Proverbs 27, two says, let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And then Proverbs 25, 27, the first part I don't like because it says it's good to not eat much honey. It is not good <laughs> to eat much honey, <laughs> but the second part of the verse, nor is it glory to search out one's own glory. Mm-hmm. So be humble and let other people praise you. But the, you know, really at the root of it, don't need the praise. You don't need to be praised. It's really not, um, it's not about me. This life is not about me. Doing good is not about me. Um, just, just let God handle that. Let him reward you. That's much better than, than having someone pat you on the back and praise you. Cause that's it. Like yeah. the Bible says, that's it. That's your reward. Haven't we found creative ways to let it slip though? Yeah. It may not be this whole obvious, hey, I did this this week mm-hmm. and I did that and I went to see this person and I yeah. took a meal that, you know. Oh, when I was be... on the phone with so and so, when I called ex- to check on them. Exactly. Yeah. And, but we have found these real subtle, creative ways to let that, you know, let them connect the dots mm-hmm. and infer from our implication. Yeah. <laughs> what we've done, you know, it's mm-hmm. like the, the humble bride kind of yeah. thing. And, yeah, that's, exactly. I was thinking about an example of not that this has happened to me. Okay. Um, but if there's a program going on in your congregation and it's in the bulletin every week, who's responsible for it that week? You know, mm-hmm. who's doing that good deed that week and their name gets put in there. And then the week that you have it, for mm-hmm. some reason it was left out. Yeah. You know, and you notice that and you think, oh, well, uh, nobody, nobody said anything. Nobody announced it when it was at my house. Nobody yeah. put it in the bulletin when we were the ones that did it. Yeah. And of course it's, it's petty. It's very human and it's petty, but you know, we forget why we were doing it in the first place. And certainly right. seeing our name in print in the church bulletin is not why we do what no. we do. So. No, no. And uh, it's just best to let that go and let, yep. let go and let God, let God exactly. take care of that. So mm-hmm. All right. The next one, if you want to be absolutely miserable, be sensitive. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Be easily offended. What? Mm -hmm. I can't believe you said that. Be impossible to be comforted. (laughs) There's a lot to uncover in this one. Yeah. (laughs) So your dad used the phrase, make everyone walk on eggshells around you. And haven't you known people like that? I'm sure I've I've been that way at times, but I also know that I have known people like that, that you Mm -hmm. just have to be so careful because Mm -hmm. they are so sensitive that, you know, they could turn right around and say to somebody else, something that you said that you did not intend for it to Mm -hmm. come across that way because you've heard them say that about other people. Yeah. You know, they're, they're always taking it personally. They're always taking it as an insult or a cut. They're always raising their eyebrows. What did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. You know, and Easily offended. So um, he, your dad also used this phrase, look for insults in the comments of others, even when none are intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's bad. Mm-hmm. That is so bad. And it seems like sometimes I think about marriage problems, you know, when the husband or wife is tired at the end of a long day and they you, they say something, they did not mean anything by it, but the other person's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um. I was thinking about these types of scenarios, being too sensitive, 
being easily offended, you know, everything is taken personally, a personal attack against you or your dear child. (laughs) Oh, that's the worst. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That if drama seems to follow you, you know, um, at some point you need to recognize that the common denominator is you. Mm -hmm. If drama seems to follow you, if you always have a story to tell, like you wouldn't believe what this person said to me, you wouldn't believe Mm -hmm. what this person did. Uh, maybe you're being too sensitive. Maybe you're the one that's being easily offended. Um, I think I've said this on here before, but my sister and I have always been really close. And I mean, throughout our entire childhood and so close that I can remember our fights. They have been so few and far between that I can remember them. And we had one as adults after either, I can't remember, excuse me, oh dear. (laughs) <laughs> let me talk I'll say something really loud while you okay, cough. Go, ahead. go for it <laughs> cough it thanks, out thanks um we had an argument after either my grandpa or my grandma's funeral I can't remember which one but she made the comment you're just too sensitive and I was like oh you know and the <laughs> fact that it really hurt my feelings <laughs> that she mm-hmm. said that <clears throat> probably means there was some truth to it so <clears throat> yeah which I Don't thought was so ironic. It. I thought about it later and I was like, yeah. I can't believe she said that. And then I thought, well, Ooh. the fact that it bothered me yeah. means that it was probably true. Yeah. Don't you think that there are some, <laughs> well, I mean, this is the whole topic we're talking about, but some people in particular just really seem to enjoy conflict. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of the word relish. They relish. Yeah. If they don't yeah. have something to if they don't have some weekly drama to share with everybody in the foyer, then mm-hmm. it's been a dull week. And I hate conflict. I hate drama. And Mm -hmm. so that is one of the things that I just, I realized not everybody thinks like me. Mm -hmm. I tend, I I go the other way and avoid all conflict, which is not good either. But uh, yeah, I think we, there's just some people that they, they look, they look for that in people's comments because they enjoy it. They enjoy Mm -hmm. being able to go tell someone you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said to me or they just, I think they get some kind of temporary satisfaction, which is probably yeah. part of the point that it's temporary. And so you have to go looking for more because if, if it's solved, then that that's over and then I got to find a new conflict. So yeah. that's a, that is a miserable way to be. Ugh. It is. And it creates a lot of strife <clears throat> instead of harmony in the body. And um, going back to first Corinthians 13, verse five says, love is not easily angered, which means, you know, thicken up your skin a little bit, you know, like the, they would always say to preachers, keep a tender heart and a tough hide. Don't take, Mm -hmm. don't be sensitive. Don't take things personally, build up a thick enough hide to where you can give people grace and assume the best and not take things personally, but keep that tender heart, you know, and care for others and be careful about what you say to others. Um, and then your dad had said, and the impossible to be, be comforted. I, I hadn't really thought about that before, but that was a good one. And that um, there's no lifting you out of your slump today. <laughs> you know, you've, yeah. <clears throat> you've decided that that's where you've landed and that's where you're going to stay. So, um, or your bad day or your recent discouragement. So I was thinking about people trying to say, well, maybe blah, 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 blah. You're, you always come back with it. Yeah, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just can't be comforted. Maybe it's because they're afraid it'll stop. It's attention that they're getting. And they Mm. want that attention to continue. So that probably is a lot of that, a lot of this 
this num the one that we're talking about now is yeah. um is the attention that comes from when we're in the middle of a drama or uh if we're being comforted we like that feeling of being comforted mm -hmm. but it might go away if i am in fact comforted so i've got to continue continue being uncomfortable yeah and is. so if someone says are you okay are you better you don't want to say yes or i'm fine because mm -hmm. then you lose that attention that makes sense yeah. And I'm thinking about how we need to teach our kids to not mm. be this way. And mm -hmm. how do we do that? Uh, and I guess, first of all, is by not being that way ourselves, because mm -hmm. obviously they're going to follow our example. Yes. But when, when our child is offended by someone or hurt by someone, do we, oh, I'm so sorry, let's go shopping, or I'm going to take you for ice cream to make you feel better rather than saying, well, maybe. Maybe they meant something different. And I know we have, we've talked about this before, but just uh, the friend, it was actually a fellow school board member whose wife, anytime there was a conflict with their, between their son and someone at school, they would always invite them home for a play date because mm -hmm. you, you just learn to um, be friends with someone. And, 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 you know, sometimes that eliminates some of the drama, but mm -hmm. so I think we've got to teach our kids to not be sensitive and easily offended. Yeah. And, or if somebody says something that hurts our feelings and then we, our kids see us like mama bear and all over mm -hmm. that person every single time, Yeah, you know, what are we teaching them? Yeah. There should be no mama bear. Yeah. Okay. Are you done with that one? Yeah. All right. My next one is shirk your duties whenever you can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, dad says you are too occupied <clears throat> in important things to be bothered by mundane matters. So mm -hmm. This, when I was thinking about this, let everyone know how busy you are. And I, I feel myself in there because I'm forever saying I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. And I try to think everybody, everybody's busy. It's mm -hmm. not just me. So a lot of times, as soon as those words come out of my mouth, I think just like everyone else is busy. I'm not any busier <laughs> than anybody else, but you know, when things kind of weigh us down, we tend to say I'm just so busy mm -hmm. and then, and then have the mentality. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else is going to take care of that. This was one that I thought of um, that we, if we want to be miserable, come from a place of no, you know, think really, really, really hard before we say yes. And then even before we say yes, we probably should, probably shouldn't do that. It's better to say no, because mm -hmm. I really can't do that. And, oh, you know, what is that saying about how 10% of the people do 90% of the work? And, mm -hmm. and if you want something done, ask a busy person because they'll, they'll get it done. But what about all of those people out there who are just not doing anything? They're not volunteering. They're not helping out. You know, uh, it makes me think of like, we're going to this retreat and we're actually going to a place where they do the cleanup. You know, we just, all we do is just take our things and go, which I love. But most retreats that we go to, the end of the retreat or the end of the camp, you know, half of a day is spent in cleaning up after having been there either the whole weekend or the whole week. And you always know who those people are going to be that are over there talking next to the fence while everyone else is mopping. Well, not everyone else, but yeah. some people are mopping or sweeping. And I realize that there are times that yep, we have to get camp. out of the way. Yeah. We might mm -hmm. have to get out of the way while, you know, you can't be walking through somebody mopping. So I realize there are times that we can't all be in the middle of something, but if you're always the one that's having fun and talking and making more of a mess instead of getting in there, 
getting your hands dirty and helping out, then you're miserable, even though you're having a good time at the time, it, mm-hmm. it's just a, a miserable life that you, and you're making other people miserable too. And I was just thinking, and I jotted these things down. When is the last time I, or you answered a need to take someone to the doctor? Cause this happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you hosted a youth devotional in your home? When's the last time you offered to tend to the nursery? When's the last time you offered to teach a class? When's the last time you offered to babysit? What's the last funeral visitation you went to? When's the last time you visited someone in the hospital or took food to a shut-in? When's the last time you called your mom? What's (laughs) the last special contribution you made maybe to someone who's wanting to go on a mission trip or for a preaching student? Or when's the last time you took a hamburger to someone that's on the corner that needs help? You know, just all of those things are our responsibilities as Christians and if we are not doing them, who's going to do it? We're the hands and the feet of Jesus. And those are our responsibilities that we have. But, you know, like, like one of the ones earlier we were talking about, it feels good in the moment to not have to do the thing that you really don't want to do. But when you get busy and get busy serving, you realize what a joy it is. And Paul told Timothy in first Timothy six to instruct those who are rich in this present world. And that's all of us here in America not to be conceited or fix hope on the uncertainty of riches, but to fix our hope on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And then he goes on to say, to instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that, which is life indeed. And I love that Mm -hmm. phrase life indeed, because life indeed really is Mm -hmm. serving and doing for others and, and making other people happy and, you know, when, when our aim and goal in life is to be happy, we're never going to be happy. But when we live like Christ, when we make ourselves look as much as we can, like the Lord, that's when we're going to find happiness is being living like, like God wants us to live. So sure. If you want to be miserable, shirk your duties whenever you can. Excuse me. Well, just this week, um, we had two examples or we have a teacher's resource room. Mm-hmm which sort of ends up being the catch-all junk room. And after every big event, BBS or camp or, you know, all of these things get, we're making room for other things. So we just take the furniture and whatever we find and we end up shoving it into this, our teacher's resource room. Well, just this week, Dana Simpson, and I, I'm pretty sure other people helped her. I just don't know who all they are, but she went in there and spent a day, maybe more organizing the whole thing. And I got to see it last last night and it, you just wouldn't even recognize Mm. it. There's all these organized bins and everything is open and clean Mm -hmm. and it makes you want to get in there and use it. And it's beautiful. And just think what she had to go through to decide to do that for Mm. all of us, you know, give up an entire day at least of her time. And she's a busy person to go down there and do that. And then one of our other members, Stacey Warren, um, has taken it on herself to, kind of be responsible for keeping it stocked, cleaned and organized Mm -hmm. and has said, you know, anytime you need something, let me know. I'm going to have a list in there. You know, you can even write in there what's missing and, and it's just such a small thing, but I know everybody else felt the way I did. Like, that's wonderful. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. You just made all of our lives that much better, you know, and it never would have even dawned on me to do that. Yeah. But it was such a huge, impactful thing that they did as a really servant hearted 
things mm -hmm. and they probably saw it and instead of like me going man somebody needs to get in here and clean this up <laughs> whoever's in charge of somebody. this space yeah whoever's in charge of this space has really dropped the ball <laughs> and they just went in there and did it yeah yeah. I was talking to Laura Warns last night and she has organized a, it's called, um, I think it's called open arms. I may, I'll have to put this in the group next week because I may have the name wrong, but it's a closet. It's not just a closet. It's a huge room at the church building in San Marcos that they have taken, um, gently used children's clothing and children's toys and equipment, mm -hmm. like, you know, changing tables and, um, strollers, anything that you can use for uh, children, families with small children. And they've invited the community in to come and take what they need. And I wanted to say it was for foster families, but it may be for uh, more people than just that. But she is in charge of it. And I know Brenda Dugans has been helping her. But we were just talking last night about, I asked her how it was going. And she said, it's really, really good. And it's really exploded for the first month or two, they didn't have a lot of people visit, but then mm -hmm. over the last month, they've had like 15 families come in oh, wow. and she said, she said they really need more volunteers and they've approached some people and people are all, um, they want to, but then maybe they forget or mm -hmm. they don't have as much time as they thought, but that kind of stuff is such a good work to be involved in and, and people need our help. And it's mm -hmm. not just Laura and Brenda, and it's not just Dana. And I don't remember who, who else you said, Stacy, mm -hmm. there's wherever you are a member, there's somebody that needs help with something with a pantry, mm -hmm. cleaning up after a fellowship meal um, to, to teach a class. You know, there's so many things that really, they are our responsibilities. It's not someone else. If you are a Christian, it's your responsibility to help out with these things. Mm -hmm. So um, if you really want to find out what a joyful life you can have. It's in doing things for other people, not in sitting back and letting someone else do it. Good one. Okay. All right. My last one is if you want to be absolutely miserable, never forget a criticism or another person's mistakes. Mm. And mm. I, I really appreciated this one too, because, um, you know, it's just not fair to some hold somebody hostage to their past mm -hmm. and Maybe somebody <clears throat> hurt your feelings. They made a thoughtless remark to you at one time. They And it, it could have been hurtful, mm -hmm. but maybe they didn't necessarily intend to, or even if they did, um, they insulted you without realizing it. Maybe you were overlooked uh, or let down. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. That was 156. <laughs> um, maybe you were a witness to somebody on their worst day. Yeah. And, and you shouldn't have been, but you were, or you learned of their embarrassing past, you know, so all these things, we get glimpses into the humanity of others, but if you really mm -hmm. want to be miserable, hold them hostage to their past. And when an opportunity comes up for them to be put in a position or somebody says something nice to them, or they want to be recognized for something and you feel the need to say, but remember that time day, or I remember one time day, you know, um, mm -hmm. you'll be absolutely miserable if you do that. I think some people use this kind of knowledge as power. Yeah. Um, either, either over somebody or, or for their own ego, you know, um, they can hold it over someone's head and they can use it even as a wall or a wedge in building a relationship with somebody because, you know, instead of growing a relationship with that person, 
you can just think about everything that you know that might cause problems down the road, you know, um, that you will certainly be a miserable person. And again, first Corinthians 13 verse five says, love keeps no records of wrongs and does not dishonor another person. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is just one of those things with all these things that we've talked about. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that are willing to overlook my worst days mm -hmm. and my embarrassing moments and my embarrassing past or the thoughtless remarks that I've said. I know there have been plenty of them. So um, I don't know what causes us to hang on to those things instead of thinking people can grow. And that's what Jesus does. That's what Christianity is all about. It's mm -hmm. It's walking in Christ and continuing to grow and mature as we do that. And just as we striving to do that and hope others see that in us, we should be doing the same for them. You know, mm -hmm. they're not the same person they were five years ago, maybe mm -hmm. even three years ago, or maybe even last year. Right. That made me think of, I remember Lisa Ripperton in a Bible class one time saying, and she was talking about Sarah, you may have even been there, but she said, God does not judge us on our worst day. And I wrote that in my Bible because I thought, man, I need to hear that because mm -hmm. there's days when you just have a horrible day and um, nothing goes right. And you feel terrible about yourself. You feel terrible about other people. And um, yet God doesn't judge us on that day. He, he wants us to get better and improve, but, mm -hmm. and I'm thankful for that. And while you were talking, I was just thinking just a day or two ago, I was thinking about a young man who, um, there was some kind of situation at camp that was really stinky and rotten and he, he made trouble for people. And, but that was 20 years ago and he's probably 35 now and mm -hmm. he's not the same kid. When I think of him, that's what I think of, but I shouldn't because I know he's grown and changed. And I, myself, like you just said, I am not the same person I was mm -hmm. two months ago. Things have happened. Things have changed in my life. I've seen things differently, change in perspective. And so it's so important to let go and to let go of those first impressions that we have, have had and to let people have the same fresh slate that God gives them. Mm -hmm. Who am I to hold someone to a past that God does not hold them to when they've been mm -hmm. forgiven? So, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And mm -hmm. my, if, if you're done, my yeah. last one ties in a lot with that. Mm -hmm. Mine is refuse to forgive or show mercy to anyone. It's very mm -hmm. similar to what you're talking about. And what dad had said is accept no reasons for failure in others. Make sure, make everyone aware of someone else's mistakes and refuse to, re to accept anything but perfection from your friends. If you have any left, he says, hold a grudge, nurse it, relive it over and over. And then I started thinking about, you know, things that we've seen online. How many screenshots have we taken over things, maybe from a text that we are insulted by, or maybe it's something we screenshot on Facebook because we think they're going to delete that later. I'm going to remember this, you know, <laughs> it's just stuff that we hang on to, yeah. whether it's an argument or an insult, we don't let ourselves forget. <clears throat> and then if we really want to continue to be miserable, we've got to wait until they apologize before mm -hmm. we even think about forgiving them. Because, you know, really, why should I be merciful about or to anyone when they've been so rude to me? And man, this will make you miserable quicker than anything else. Mm 
And we've just got to remember the humanity. You you said this a minute ago. Remember the the frailty and the humanity of every person. Remembering my own humanity and frailty. And there's a scene in, it's not called The Love Dare. What is that movie that The Love Dare came from? Um, the one with Kirk Cameron, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? It's not, there's one that's fireproof and then there's one that's something. Fireproof, that's current, it. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. But there's a scene in it when Kirk Cameron's character is talking to his dad about what his wife has been guilty of. And he's walking around this area. It's like some campground Mm -hmm. and there's a cross. It's a Christian camp and there's a cross built. And as he's walking, he looks up and he sees that cross. And it's like this realization dawns on him that God has forgiven him and he's not forgiving his wife. And we've Mm -hmm. got to remember that God is not going to forgive us when we don't forgive others. There's that saying that to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then to realize that that prisoner was me. Mm-hmm. Um, then it made me think of Romans 12 and how we are to let love be without hypocrisy, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So don't wait, you know, be the first one to extend forgiveness and mercy and when we are that way, people are so much more apt to be that way with us. When we are humble and forgiving and, you know, if somebody apologizes, we are the one to say, don't think another thing about it. I didn't think anything of it. Let's just move on and keep going. Mm-hmm. Or are we going to be the ones to say, you really shouldn't have done that. And I'm going to have to think about it. And I've known people that do that. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of, um, other passages that I know would apply here, Colossians three, uh, we're chosen of God. And so we're to put on all of these things, heart of compassion and humility and forgiveness. And so we know, we know this, this is what God wants us to be like, be forgiving, be merciful, be as, as much as we can be at peace with others. And I think we can be a whole lot more than we really are. So that was his last one. And we are really getting close to pushing our record on yes, time here. Yes. I but just I think wanted... that with ahead, all of these, you know, we think they're too hard or too unreasonable. And, um, but if we just put God to the test, hmm. you know, with all these passages and all these one another verses that we've been looking at, if we just put him to the test and try things his way, let go of that grudge and forgive, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll be surprised at how much peace, how much more yeah. peace we feel in our own lives and how much more willing we're able to extend grace to others and mm-hmm. how much joy that brings us. We think we're hanging on to this because it's it's too big of a hurt or we don't want to give them permission to do it again. And that's just the right way to go about it, even though it completely goes against what God says in his word for us. Yeah. So let's just put him to the test and handle all of these things in the way that he says, or we can do it the way that we think is best and continue to live miserably. Mm-hmm. All of these things too, if you think about it, it's how the devil wants us to live. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants us to remember all of those grudges and, and let that root of bitterness take hold in our hearts. And he just, he wants all those things. And are we going to let him win? Are we going to mm-hmm. let trust God? Like you said, trust God and, and mm-hmm. put him to the test. I wanted to just read the very end of what dad said. Cause I thought, you know, I could just, uh, again, I can hear him saying these things, but he ended his article by saying, you might be able to be perfectly miserable without following these guidelines. But if you fall short, that is just one more way of achieving depression, despair, and distress. You've got to make your choice and then work at it. 
have a miserable day. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it was a good one. It's one of, I actually wrote these points in the back of one of my Bibles. And when I thought for us to talk about this today, I went looking for that Bible and it's one that I left in Texas. So, um, but it, it's just something that I like to look back on occasionally to remind myself, don't be this way. Don't be miserable. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That was really yeah. good. Yeah. Good topic. So mm-hmm. the ending that we're doing now, I can't remember how you worded it last share week. So I'm something toss good. Share something good. Share you want to go first? Good. Yeah, sure. So we're just going to share something each week of something that we like or found that we think our listeners might enjoy too. Something for you to look into. Mine's kind of silly this week. Okay. <laughs> Do you like canned tuna? Yeah. Okay. So I saw somebody recommend this brand of canned tuna. <laughs> Um, it's called Safe Catch. If you're watching, Never heard you of can it. see that's yeah. yeah, I hadn't either. Um, but you can find it at Costco and it is um mercury tested. It's wild, <clears throat> excuse me, wild 157. 157. <laughs> wild ahi yellowfin tuna. Um, and anyway, I'd seen somebody else recommend it and I, we tried it. It is so good. What makes I it can better? eat. Oh, the it's really um the flesh itself just looks really good you know like you it looks like something you want to eat instead of gross mm-hmm. mushy up tuna mm-hmm. in the can it looks really good and fresh and then we it's got such good flavor i could eat this straight out of the can and yeah. normally i like a good bit of mayo in my tuna, yeah. you know before i put it on a cracker or a sandwich or whatever mm-hmm. but i could eat this straight out of the can it is that good so it's called comes in packs like this of um one two three four is it six. in water or oil um, I think it's water. Because uh, I like to boil an egg and then mash that up in a good can of tuna. But with, if I ever come across a little piece mm-hmm. of black stuff in my tuna, it kind of, I'm like done with the bowl. Actually, it's not even water. It is, the ingredients are yellowfin tuna and sea salt. Mm. That's it. It is so good. Okay. Well, I'm going to go get some. Yeah. Good okay, to what's, ah, All right. Yours? Mine is not something that you can have yet, but it is a book that, uh, Janie Cron, and you and I both worked with her at Christian Woman, mm-hmm. and she's like a writing mentor to me. And and we developed a friendship when we were working together there at Christian Woman. And um, she has a new book that's about to come out. I'm not sure exactly when, but she asked if I would read it and you know quote review it, write a few mm-hmm. words about it. And it's called Songs in the Night. Mm-hmm. And I don't read a whole lot of nonfiction. I, I'm just not like one to sit down and read that. I like to read fiction. It's kind of an escape. Mm-hmm. I will use books like, excuse me, use nonfiction books for reference. And so I was kind of expecting, I always like the things that she writes, but I wasn't really expecting to sit and read it. And this is what I read on the way to Polishing the Pulpit and on the way home. And I downloaded it onto my iPad so that I could, you know, underline and mark while I was reading mm-hmm. it. And it was so good. It's songs in the night and it's a, um, it's kind of a biography of David's life, but she uses, um, she tells his life story, which I've never really seen done in the proper timeline. Mm-hmm. And it's so, you know, almost disjointed when you read it in scripture, because it's some of it's in first Kings and some of it's in first Samuel. And, and I've never really been able to pinpoint at what time this happened in his life. And, and so she, she started at the beginning and worked her way through and um, parallels between his life and mine. You know, she pointed out the the frailty of David, but yet he was this great 
the king and commander, this ruler, this uh, leader who had all kinds of issues and all kinds of weaknesses. And um, so she didn't shy away from any of that, but really used the book to point out some areas that we need to make some corrections in our own lives. There's a lot of Bible geography in it, which, you know, was, I loved that too, because I can see it in my mind. And um, so I'm excited for that to come out and that probably will be, I would imagine towards the end of the year, I'm not sure, but um, songs in the night is the name of it. And it's by Janie Cron. Look forward to it. Good grief. 200. 200. Well, I had a chance to preview it also. Did you? Yes. And I like how she, when she related it to the Psalms that he wrote, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I've always loved in particular David Psalms anyway, they're, Mm -hmm. they're just so impactful. They feel so relevant. Heartfelt. You Mm -hmm. can't ever read them the same again. Yeah. After reading the backstory that she has explained for each of those Psalms. So there's a Psalm to go with each, like Mm -hmm. almost chapter of his life. And I also appreciated how at the end of them, she had, you know, your own song in the night. Yeah. And for the personal application part and, you know, what would yours say? What should yours say? And yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. And she has, you know, questions, discussion, questions, research, things that were not fluff, you know, not Mm -hmm. some of them. I was like, Oh, I don't know the answer to that. And Mm -hmm. I didn't answer every one of them. I'll go back through it later. You know, I didn't have the time to do that. But um, anyway, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Good stuff. All right. It's been a good discussion and Mm -hmm. almost a good two hour discussion. We're at an hour and 52 minutes, so we (laughs) won't belabor the goodbyes, but I've enjoyed talking with you and I have to, you're not a miserable person. You're a a wonderful person. And I appreciate all your comments and, and, and what you added to this. And I loved bringing some of dad's writings back to life Mm -hmm. and and there's lots of good ones. So thank you for everything you said. I always enjoy chatting with you. Yeah. I love you lots. Until next time. Keep looking up. (laughs) Keep coughing. (laughs) Keep looking up. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.